Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. I hope you had a great week. Uh, we are back now with more episodes. Um, just before we get started, remember that Let's Talk Micro is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Pandora. Basically, wherever you get your podcast, you can find Let's Talk Micro. I am also on Instagram as Let's Talk Micro, no apostrophe, and on Twitter as Let's Talk Micro 1. So go ahead and follow. I like to post pictures of organisms. So on the last episode, um, I talked about Pastorella and why is it my favorite, right? So Pastorella is a gram-negative rod. It is oxidase positive, and some species are also, are, are also indole positive, which makes it more interesting. Um, as you know, the Enterobacterialis are oxidase negative, the indole can vary, and then typically your non-fermenters like Pseudomonas, Acinetobacter, Stenotrophomonas, the oxidase can vary and they tend to be indole negative. So you don't have that many bacteria that are actually positive for both. And to me, it makes it interesting and more, it is not as general as the other ones. So depending on the species, it is normal flora in dogs, like Pastorella canis and Multocida, cats, Pastorella multocida, and pigs, Pastorella erogenes. I mentioned that Pastorella erogenes grows on mac, whereas the other two, they do not. They grow on blood, they grow on chocolate. So these organisms, their normal flora in these animals, and then let's say that if, if if a dog bites you or a cat bites you, then it's transmitted to humans and it, can, it causes disease. You know, you can have bacteremia, uh, wound infections, among other things. It is a very good episode, so go ahead and if you haven't listened to it, go ahead and check it out. Pastorella, for me, is a fascinating organism and I explained the reasons in it as to why I like it so much. Now, as in many episodes, I have talked about the Molditov. I have mentioned that you use it to perform identifications. So you hear Maldi here, Maldi there. So today we are actually going to talk about the Molditov. If you work in a large facility, you might have worked with it. Or you might have just heard about it, right? So it is a method used for the identification of bacteria and fungi. It reduces the time it takes to get an identification of an organism. Those of you that work with the Vitec, let's say you set up an ID card. So it takes about four hours for bacteria and actually longer for yeast to come up with an identification. So with this workflow, you set it up one day. Let's say that you work on first shift. You set it up morning, you know, before you leave at 2.30 three and then perhaps the next day you will see the id on it of course this depends you know what kind of reading system your lab has and with this i'm referring to what kind of like plate reading system you know some labs might have let's say urine culture reads on first and second shift i have seen it other labs might just do the plate reading on first shift 
I have also seen where there's some plate reading on all three shifts, like mainly urines. Um, typically, all the other benches, like the wound bench, that they are more involved, they are typically maybe kept on the first shift um, because you know it requires more training to have all these text reading wounds. And depending on what the workload is, sometimes you know some hospitals they do maintenance on third shift. So typically, the more complex benches are on day shift. But you might have some sort of schedule where maybe the urine cultures, like I mentioned, are read on, on multiple shifts. So if you don't have this right, you set up your ID and then the next day, like you're following yourself, maybe you have a positive reader. So then you find out what it is. So however, this is not the case with the Molotov. With the Molotov, you get an ID within minutes, depending on how many samples are loaded, but definitely before your shift is over. Technically, yes, the ID can be produced within minutes, but I'm gonna talk about the composition of the instrument. And you'll see, so depending on how many you have, of course, if it takes like a minute each, and then your sample is at the last one, let's say, and you have a good 20, 25 samples, then of course, you know, it'll be 25, 30 minutes to get a result. So it all depends on how many samples you have. Of course, you know, you keep in mind the time that it takes for the instrument to fire up, do its thing, and then produce that result, which I'm gonna be talking about. So that brings us to the next um, item on the podcast. So what is Malditov, right? What is Malditov? Well, let's start with what does Malditov stands for. Malditov stands for Matrix Assisted Laser Desorption Ionization Time of Flight Mass Spectrometry. So this is like a type, it's, it's like a mass spec. So this technique uses a laser to excite the chemical functional groups that are included in the proteins of an organism. The organism is applied to a plate from a culture or a protein extract. The sample then is mixed with a chemical matrix. And then what does this matrix do? Well, when the laser is applied, the matrix absorbs energy transferring heat to the sample proteins and creating ions. Then the ions are separated on a tube that is referred to as the flight tube. The ions are measured using a detector. The lighter the ions, the faster they will travel in the tube. A spectrum is created as a mass spectrum using a mass to charge ratio. Then this spectrum is compared, is compared with known bacteria and fungal spectra that are stored in the database. So this is how an identification is obtained. In clinical micro, basically, you know, we have two commercial Molditov methods. There's the Moldy Biotyper, Brooker, and the Bitech MS from Biomero. And this is the one that I'm familiar with. This is the one that I actually work with, the Vitec MS from Biomero. So I know like I, I threw a lot of information there. Um, so basically, yes. Maldi is matrix assisted laser desorption ionization time of flight mass spectrometry. So you mix your sample with a matrix, and then when the laser hits it, you know that heat 
it's going to be transferred to the sample, thus creating ions. And then those ions, they're separated on a tube, right? So those ions are going to go on a tube and basically, you know, and then the, the time is measured. The faster, the, the lighter the ions are, the faster they will travel. And then the spectrum is created using a mass to charge ratio. And then once you have this spectrum, you're going to compare it to the known database. And that's how an ID it's produced. So I mentioned that I work with the Vitec MS, the Biomero, right? So what are the components of this instrument? Well, you need a target slide. This is where you apply the sample. And if you have a chance, you know, go online and see the images if, you, if, you, if you're not familiar with. If you are, then you know what I'm talking about. So this slide, it has like a many circles. And this is where you're going to apply your sample. So one slide has 48 sample positions. This is divided into three sections, which are called acquisitions. Once an acquisition is used for testing, you can add more samples to it. If you only use, let's say, one spot, the other ones can be used again. So you have three acquisitions with 16 spots. So let's say that you go ahead and you only have two samples that you need to use. So you use two circles plus the calibrator, which I'll talk about. And then you put it in the instrument, you get your ID, then the next time, you know, you have two other acquisitions that are free. So next time when you scan your slide into the system, you see that that whole acquisition is grayed out, meaning that you don't have access to it again. So you will have to start on the next acquisition. And this is basically why in labs, you know, let's, they try to fill the acquisitions before loading the, the slide on the instrument. So, I mean, by the time, if you do have a Molotov, it's very expensive. So that means that you have a very large volume facility, which typically in these cases, it might be split into benches, depending on the workload, like a urine bench, wound bench, smaller labs, you basically read everything from all the areas in the body, all the different cultures. But if you have Molotov, it's probably split. You know, urine bench, wound bench, maybe a respiratory bench because of the volume. One person can do it all. So then it's split by category. So then if you have three samples, you know, you place them on your slide and the next person comes in, maybe they have five. They try until they fill all 16 and then they load it. You know, you might think, well, you're kind of waiting for your ID. It's still faster than what you would normally get, right? You're not finding out the next day, even if you're waiting for text to fill it out within a reasonable amount of time. I mean, if, if at some point in time, no one has any to put in, then you load your slide and you will still get your ID before your shift is over. So it's still very, it's still very fast. I mean, the time it takes for you to get an ID. You know, you don't want to be wasteful. These are expensive supplies. So I mentioned a calibrator. Right, so you have 16 spots for samples, and then you have one spot, which is for the calibrator. And the calibrator is a specific strain of E. coli that the company indicates for us to use. If your calibrator spot fails, the whole acquisition fails. 
and there's a whole procedure on how to reconstitute the calibrator and how to subculture it. So that's all in the manual. So I'm not going to give all that information. Um, I'm just going to explain how the instrument works and the components and the pros and cons. So you also need a one microliter loop. And this is what you are using to apply the colony. You don't need to apply a lot of sample. I mean, the manual tells you how much. Um, you just need enough, a little bit of a colony so you can spread on the circle. It's a very small circle. And then you spread it. If a sample is mucoid, like a clepsial, let's say, it is recommended that with a swap, some of the mucoid is removed and then you grab the colony. Uh, I have found that, I mean, yeah, that's what's recommended. I have found out that if you like stick the loop on the colony and just like wiggle it a little bit, I think that kind of like disturbs the mucoid and you can get your sample on the slide and it's not going to fail. Because typically if you don't do any of these techniques, you might not get an idea. It's going to fail and then you have to use another method like let's say like the Vitec, the Microscan, um, depends on what your facility uses. So then once you have spread your colony, you apply the matrix. So this is the solution that I mentioned is going to absorb the heat from the laser and then it's transferring to the sample, you know, ionizing it. And then those ions fly and they're, they're measured. So this matrix contains alpha cyanophore-hydroxycinamic acid, or CHCA. If you work with it, you might heard that some people say, where's the Chica? CHCA, just to abbreviate it. I mean, this, it is a very long name. So you might hear, you know, can you, where's the matrix? Where's the Chica? But the actual name is the alpha cyanophore-hydroxycinamic acid. So this, uh, this matrix, it needs to be applied to the calibrator strain as well. And it needs to be applied right after you apply your colony. This is done by pipetting it. And the amount is one microliter. It also needs to dry before you load the slide in the instrument. And this is what I describe as this procedure. You know, the adding of the sample. You add the matrix, let it dry before loading the sample. This procedure is for bacterial preparation, right? There is a different procedure for nocardia, mycobacteria, and molds. For yeast, the process is actually very similar, but you have some differences. Before you add the matrix, you're going to add formic acid, and this is already supplied by the company. So the amount you pipette is 0.5 microliters. What's the purpose of this formic acid? Well, it's going to pretreat the yeast in order to facilitate the identification. Once the formic acid is dry, then you apply the matrix. This whole procedure is very easy and it's really quick. Once the slide is dry, you load it into the instrument and it takes over from there. So, like I said, you know, this is a good thing about a podcast, right? You can pause it, process it, research, 
I am definitely putting a lot of information there. But it's good to have an understanding, especially of you students out there. I mean, if you end up doing your clinicals in a large facility, you know, if you listen to this episode, you already have an understanding of how this works. When someone says, oh yeah, let's use the Molotov, you're like, oh yeah, I heard about it from this guy, and this Let's Talk Micro guy. So I explain how it works, and I explain the components, right? So very easy, right? Three acquisitions with 16, you know, three sections, three acquisitions with 16 sample spots each. And then in addition to the 16, you have one spot for your calibrator. The calibrator goes, it is um, applied the same way that you apply your bacteria, grabbing a colony with your one microliter loop, spreading it, and then pipette, pipette your uh, matrix, your one microliter of matrix, right? The company says that, that you don't want your colony to dry before you add your matrix. So it's basically a one, it's a very quick process. You know, sometimes at the beginning, while you are getting used to the instrument, your hospital might say, let's do double spots. I mean, you have the, you have the option to do that with the instrument. So you, you, you can add an extra spot and then put two samples of the same colony. That way, if one fails, you get the other one. I mean, it's not gonna, if you get the same ID, then you're good. But it is a way um, to kind of make sure, you, to make you practice on your technique. And then once you get proficient enough, that you can do simple spots. And then, so you add no more than two spots before you add your matrix. So your colonies don't dry. And then also your calibrator, make sure that you should always do the calibrator first when you're going to start working on an acquisition. That way you don't forget because if the calibrator fails, your whole acquisition fails. And you also have the option of, let's say that once your acquisition is done, let's say that you want to see maybe, let me try again and see an ID, if I can get an ID again. You can indicate on the instrument to fire the laser again at that particular sample to see if it works. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And then with the yeast, there's a difference that you add the 0.5 mic, you know, the 0.5 microliters of your formic acid before you add your matrix. But the formic acid must be dry. So a good practices if you have many samples to set and you know you have some yeast in the mix go ahead and set those up first that way you know you apply your yeast you apply your formic acid you continue setting up your bacteria and then maybe by that time maybe like in five minutes or so your formic acid is dry and then you apply the matrix if you don't have that many samples uh, what i have seen i have seen is that you might write on a piece of paper which spots in the acquisition actually need the matrix to be added when you have yeast. And then that way, if you're done and yours is not dry yet, your formic acid, uh, the tech can come in, start processing their samples, and they see the paper, and then they will add the matrix for you. But if you are not overseeing that the matrix, sorry, that the formic acid is dry, 
then you need some sort of communication with the next tech. That way they can add it for you. Because if you add the formic acid, but you don't add the matrix for your yeast, then it's not going to work. It's going to fail. And if that does happen, then you have the option of either, of either, you know, repeating your slide. I mean, reapplying some sample or using another method of identification, which of course I will talk more about. But like, as you have seen, this is a very simple process. It's very quick to set up, right? So you need your chica, you need your formic acid, you need your slide loop and your colonies and you follow the procedure. And most of the time it works. Um, it definitely reduces the time that it takes for you to get an ID. So I think overall it is a very good system and it has, but of course, like any system, it has its pros and it has its cons. And then, my dear audience, it's the end of this episode. On the next episode, I will be talking more about the Molotov. Once you get that ID, what happens? Uh, what are the pros? What are the cons of this instrument? But in the meantime, this is a lot of information, so I'm stopping it right here. You know, listen to it as many times as you like. Do some research. Get familiar with it. I think overall it tends to be a pretty good instrument. It definitely minimizes the time. But next week, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, you know, there's a break across schools. So at the very least, spend the time with family. You know, it has been some, some challenging times with COVID. So go ahead and spend some time with family. You know, cherish those good moments. As always, Stay motivated, stay safe, and of course, before I say it, continue bringing that motivation and that passion to your work. It's always very important. So stay motivated, stay safe, and of course, continue talking micro. Until the next time, bye.